This morning we invite you to the book of Genesis chapter 3. The book of Genesis chapter 3. And we'll be reading the first six verses for your hearing uh, this morning. Genesis chapter 3 and beginning with verse number 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree did be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading of these verses. I'm sure that each and every one of us here uh, this morning are familiar with that of these verses. We would just begin this morning by saying to you that Genesis 3 is one of the most important chapters in the Holy Word of God. What has often been said of the book of Genesis is true also of this chapter, and that is is that the book of Genesis is the seed plot of the Scriptures. From that of the book of Genesis comes that of many cardinal truths uh, of the faith. Cardinal truths uh, which begin here in that of the very beginning of the Holy Scriptures. It is a foundational chapter. And in this chapter we have an explanation of the reason why our world is in the shape that it is in today. Why do we see selfishness? Why do we see hate, lying, murder, rape, adultery, sodomy, lesbianism, thievery, covetousness, drunkenness, reviling, extortion, mass murder? Why do we have that of corrupt politicians uh, and the way that they deal uh, in that of their uh, dealings, taking advantage of the poor, failure to take care of the widows and that of the fatherless. Why do we see drug lords, uh, drug addicts? What we would say to you, beloved, here this morning, that the answer is found right here in that of this very chapter. And the answer to that question is that of the rebellion that is set forth here in this chapter. Man's rebellion against God. Not only do we have the answer to that question, that of sin, that of rebellion against God, but we also have the answer to that issue in this very same chapter. We have the promise of a Savior. One who is able to deliver us out of the depths of our sins and who is able to make us anew again. My subject this morning is the origin of human sin. 
the origin of human sin. The origin of human sin takes us back to a beautiful garden which God planted in Eden. It was there in that garden that God placed that of man after He had created him. And from the ground of that garden, there were trees that grew, came forth. There was the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then there also was a tree of life. It was there in that garden that the Lord brought all of the animals that He created to that of Adam to see if there would be that of a helpmeet to be found. And as He named the animals, there were none uh, helpmeet that was found. And so He took Adam and laid him down and took a rib from his side and made woman. At the end of chapter 2, we see the institution of marriage and we see that all is good. There is peace. Peace with God. Peace with that of Adam and Eve. With one another. There was harmony. There was that of unity that was manifested. But not for long. Not for long. For when we When we come into chapter 3, we see that the harmony and the peace that is found at the end of chapter 2, that it ends very quickly. This morning our focus will be upon that of the first six verses, which brings before us that of the subject, subjects of the, temp, tempter, the tempted, the temptation, and the transgression. The origin of human sin. First of all, let us consider that of the tempter. Verse number 1, we're told now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. As Genesis 3 opens, it opens with a statement with regards to that of a snake. The snake is one of the animals which God created. Adam had seen this animal. Adam actually named this animal. As the Lord brought the various animals to him, uh, he named the animals uh, in search of that of a helpmeet. And the snake was one of the animals. And so Adam was familiar with that of this animal. It was like the rest of the creatures. It was under human authority. Over in Psalm 8, we read the psalmist as he speaks of that man. He says, Thou madest him, that is man, to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, and all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field. And so this animal, this snake, 
uh, that is brought before us here in the very beginning of Genesis chapter 3. It wasn't some animal uh, that Adam had never seen in his life, but rather it was one that he had seen and that he had named. And as far as we know from Scripture, he had the authority over. By the time that Moses came to writing the book of Genesis and the actual account here in the chapter before us, the snake was among that of the unclean creatures that could not be eaten or offered in that of a sacrifice. It was well known in that of the ancient world uh, as a symbol of evil. And this from the negative association found here in that of the ancient world. One may ask, how is it possible for a snake to tempt? For that's what we have here, beloved. We have that of a snake, and he is the one we are speaking of here as that of the tempter. Surely, one would say that this account here, that it's a myth, that it's that of a fable. Whoever heard of a talking snake? And we don't find snakes today, do we? Speaking. Speaking that of our language. Anyway. Is the snake before us a real snake? Snake is presented here in that of the account that is before us. Indeed as a real snake. A real snake. Like that of the rest of the animals. It was an animal, beloved. One that God had created. It was that of a snake. One may ask, well, how can this be? Well, the way that the snake is introduced to us indicates, I believe, uh, some idea here. As we look at that of the verse here, verse 1, you'll note it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. you note that there is a uh, characteristic here that is spelled out here for us with regards to that of this animal. We're told that this serpent, that it was more subtle than any beast of the field. Now, the word subtle here has the meaning of cunning. It can mean that of uh, clever. And there is nothing in the actual word to indicate that of good or evil as far as that of the word itself is concerned. But there is something in that of the characteristic here that would indicate I believe that this one who is before us was more than just an ordinary serpent he was a cunning servant he was he was out of a serpent that was clever now how many snakes do you know that you would describe that way this one here is spelled out now you might say well snakes are cunning animals they have that characteristic. Well, it's spelled out here in the Holy Scriptures with regards to this one. And as we've already said, whoever has heard of a serpent speaking? 
speaking to that of us who are human beings. That in itself tells us, beloved, that this one that is before us is not just some ordinary serpent. And as we go on further into the chapter, and we look at that of the consequence that comes uh, as a result of that of the uh, rebellion that takes place here that the serpent has a part in, we see that of the consequence uh, that comes uh, upon that of this serpent. That would indicate, beloved, that this was more than just some ordinary snake. And when we go to the New Testament, we see that the New Testament sheds some light for us upon this. In that of the book of Revelation, chapter 12, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. That was Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. In Revelation chapter 20, and verse 2, we read, And he laid, on, he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Moving as we come to the New Testament, these scriptures here tell us very clearly that this one who we see in Genesis 3 was no ordinary snake. He was no ordinary snake in the grass. No, beloved. He was the adversary. The adversary. And there are other places in the Holy Scripture in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, and also in Ezekiel, uh, passages which give us that of an ideal of that of this individual. One who sought to be greater than that of the Lord God, who usurped his authority. And he carried with him a whole slew of angels with him when he rebelled against God. So here we have that of an adversary. An adversary. One beloved that is alive and well today and our adversary today. You note in chapter 3 verse 15 of the book of Genesis. It says, And I will put enmity between thee. The Lord here is speaking to that of the serpent. I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between Thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Genesis 3 verse 15 makes it very clear here in Genesis 3 that this one who is described as a serpent is indeed more than just that of a little snake. The devil appears here as a snake in Genesis 3. You say, well, no way, Brother Steve. Well, if God enabled Balaam's donkey to speak in Numbers chapter 20, he can surely allow and permit 
that of a snake to tempt human beings, we would say to you. He can surely allow that of a snake to speak. And that's what we have here, beloved. There is a spirit world, beloved, that we as human beings, we cannot see. But it is indeed that of a world that is real. And yes, there are evil, evil ones. Adversaries. Secondly, let's consider the tempted here. We looked at that of the tempter. Let's look at the tempted. First thing that we would draw your attention to is some verses here. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, as God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden. Verse 6, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. Now what I've done here is, is I've read the verses there in that of our uh, portion of Scripture that give us that of who are the ones that are being tempted here. And the first thing that I want you to see very clearly is, is that the ones who are tempted here, that they are individuals. They are individuals. One is spoken of as the woman, and another one is spoken of as the man. There is absolutely nothing in the passage that would indicate that there's anything otherwise than that of two individuals here in the Garden of Eden besides that of the tempter, the serpent. There is a woman and there is that of a man. And we know them, beloved, as that of Adam and that of Eve. Now the situation that they're found in is worlds away from that of what we find ourselves in today. They were in that of a perfect environment. Everything they needed was at their hands. Life was pleasant for them. I mean, they were living in paradise. And who would have thought that either one of them would have wanted anything else. Who would have wondered? The couple was at peace with God, peace with each other, peace with themselves, and peace with that of the world. The animals... They were all under their authority.
the earth it brought forth that of its fruit bearing plants the garden was full full of trees and had fruit hanging on it and right in the very midst was that of the tree of life the tree of life but there was also another tree the tree of knowledge of good and evil Genesis chapter 2 verse 25 sums it all up it says and they were both naked speaking of the man and the woman the man and his wife and were not ashamed there was no distrust nothing to hide no dishonor no greed no lust they had left the potter's hand and they were perfect perfect and their environment was perfect but the devil the tempter he came and he tempted these two you say well I thought what we read there in Genesis chapter 3 is the woman first yeah and we also see the man Adam both were tempted both were tempted why did God permit Adam and Eve to be tempted? Well, let me just say to you that that lies in the mystery of God. That lies in the mystery of God. What we do know is through the event, God used it to display to angels and to that of human beings His greatness. His grace. His mercy, His love, His justice. And we could go on and on and on as we would tell you of that of the attributes of that of the great God who created the universe and created us. The tempter and the tempted. The temptation... Says now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said, Unto one, yea, as God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God's knowing good and evil. First of all, the temptation and how the tempter appeared before. It was not as that of a roaring lion that we see the tempter here. No, the tempter here is in that of a form of a serpent. And Indication is, is that the Hebrew word here for that of serpent, that it's 
associated with that of the Hebrew word that also speaks of that of uh, bronze. And many believe that the actual Hebrew word here, that it depicts that this one who we know as the serpent here in the chapter, that it was a beautiful snake. A beautiful snake. So he appeared unto them. And it was not as a lion, but that of a snake. He appeared not to be to that of the head of the household, but rather to the second in command in the beginning. He asked that of a question. Yea, as God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. The question seemed innocent, you might say. But we say to you that in reality it was not. Because in asking the question, the serpent was putting doubt in the mind of that of the woman. Doubt with regards to that of what God had said. Yea, has God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And then the serpent or the tempter tells them the opposite. He tells them the opposite of what God said and places a question in the mind of the woman about the goodness of God. The serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Right here in these verses and that of what takes place, beloved, we have that of God's goodness, God's justice, God's truthfulness in regards to that of His Word, doubted. Doubted. Placed before that of a woman and placing a doubt in that of her mind. And as a result, we see that the woman, the Scriptures tells us that she was deceived. She was tempted by that of the serpent. She was deceived also. And in verse number 6, it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also <coughs> unto her husband with him, with her, and he did eat. In verse 6, we have the man coming upon the scene. First time that we have the man in the picture. But he's found here. You say, well, the woman is the first one that took that of the fruit and partook of it. She saw it, desired it, and found that it was good. Yes. Through that of temptation and 
as we know from the New Testament, that she was deceived. But it's a different story for the man. A different story for the man. She gave that of the fruit to her husband and he partook of it. Now let me say to you, the man here, Adam, it was to him that the commandment was given by the Lord that of every tree of the garden you may partake of it, except for that of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And in the day that you partake of it, ye shall surely die. To him, God spoke those words. And I'm sure the woman had heard those words also. But not like Adam in the beginning. No, Adam wasn't deceived. He wasn't deceived. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly that he was rebelling against that of God's law. And he knew the consequences. He knew God's goodness. But now he was going to see God's justice. And he was going to realize that what God said is truth. Lastly, the transgression. When a woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat and the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. There's something here that's very important that we need to see here. And that is, is there is a difference between being tempted and out of actually yielding to the temptation. There's no sin in being tempted. Sin is when we yield to the temptation. The woman saw, desired, and took of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the man with the knowledge that he had, took the fruit from his wife that his wife gave to him and partook of it, knowing fully, without a doubt, that of what God had said and the consequence. Rebellion. Defiance to authority. Disobedience. Transgression of God's law. Unbelief, distrust of God, who is good and loving, gracious and kind. Selfishness. Oh, beloved, as we look around us, don't we see the very same picture in the world in which we are living in today? 
It's no different, beloved. The world that we're living in today is no different than that of... Uh, we go back to the Garden of Eden and there in the garden as we see that of Adam and Eve, they disobey God. They rebel against Him. That is exactly what the world is doing today. They're rebelling against God and that of His law and that's why we have the world that we have and that we're living in today. That's why we have hatred, that of, that of terrible things in this world. Selfishness. The end of the transgression, their eyes were opened and the sight was shocking. It was a sight that they had never seen before. And it is a sight that it would have been better had they not seen. But you know there in verse number 7, it says, And the eyes of them both were opened. Oh, the serpent. He told them. If you knew it back up. Verse number 4 says, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. And ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. I want to say something to you. And I hope you'll take it to heart. There's some things that we... It, it's best for us not to know. There are some things that it's best for us not to know. Adam and Eve, they had that of knowledge, but beloved, not like the knowledge of God. For you see, God... God is holy. He's just. There's no sin with God. But Adam and Eve, we see that there was rebellion with them. Their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened. They had an experience that it would have been better had they not. Like the doctor who knows about that of cancer. He has knowledge about it. He knows the consequences of it. But the patient or the one who has it, they have a knowledge that's somewhat different from that of the doctor, don't they? For they're experiencing it. They came to know good and evil, but it was nothing like God's. They had the knowledge of evil like what it is to know that of cancer and its destructiveness. Oh, what a sad, sad episode here that we have before us in the account, the historical account, the inspired account, beloved, of the origin of human 
sin. Paul tells us in Romans 5.12, Wherefore, by, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Adam and Eve, they sinned there in the garden, and their descendants, they bear the consequences. Adam, being the federal head there in the garden, he stood there as that of the federal head, the one for the human race. He stood there. And as he sinned, we were all in the loins of Adam. And when he sinned, we also sinned. David tells us, in that of Psalm 51, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. David wasn't speaking ill of his mother there, but yet he was indeed speaking of the very fact that he had an evil nature. He was conceived with that of an evil nature, a corrupt nature. And he came forth speaking that of lies. The consequences of Adam and Eve's sin there in the garden. The Lord told them that they would die, and they did die. They died as far as that of the relationship with God. And one day they died physically. And that's likewise with regards to to all men born in this world, dead and trespasses and sins, and destined, destined to die physically and go to the grave. Sad story, but we would say to you that there is hope. The chapter doesn't end there, and we ought to thank God that it does not end there. For there in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, we have the promise of one who would come that would be a deliverer. And as you go to the New Testament, you find that deliverer was none other than that of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who is the Savior, beloved. He is the one who is the deliverer. He is the one, beloved, who gave His life as a substitute for all sinners who will trust in Him who repent of their sins and believe upon Him, they receive forgiveness of their sins and that of eternal life. And I close with that this morning. And we ask you, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know Him as Lord and Savior of your life? Have you repented of your sins? Acknowledge your sins before God and acknowledge, beloved, that your only hope is in Him and that it was the Savior of the Lord Jesus. Alright, we want to have a closing hymn. And let us stand and work. Rather than singing the one on the back of the Lord, we're just going to sing that of amazing grace today. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that 